0: By now, I'm talking about Chattano. Jimenez in the air, left field. He's your hero tonight. With Alan Robinson taking it out of the air Lord Stanley's new address is sweet home Chicago The Chicago Blackhawks Lord have won the Stanley
1: Cup Maybe we could start Hey everybody and welcome into another episode of the Second City Show As usual, I am your host, Patrick Flowers And it's been a busy morning in the MLB hot stove world A lot of things popping up last night Late in the middle of the night and into here Wednesday morning A lot of White Sox Talk between Bob Nightingale, Buster Olney And other national reporters regarding The Zach Wheeler market Regarding potential trade talks between the White Sox And the Dodgers for Jack Peterson As a solution in right field Um, Ken Rosenthal this morning On MLB Hot Stove Saying that the Wheeler sweepstakes are definitely Coming to a head and that they're gonna It's gonna come, we're gonna see a conclusion here In the next few days, if not even today So, I wanted to get into the office as soon as possible, and I wanted to get uh, David Wildman on the line. He's my go-to White Sox guy. We have great rapport. Dave's very informed. So I was able to catch Dave on his commute this morning on his way to school um, and got him on the line. We talked about the Wheeler market coming to a head, but we talked a lot about what if the White Sox lose out on Wheeler? And I know White Sox fans are going to cringe when they hear me say that, but it is a possibility. I cringe myself, but it's a possibility. The Phillies jumped in as a dark horse late, according to national reports, um, some even saying uh, that they're the favorites for him, with the White Sox and the Reds right there behind them. Twins and, and Rangers kind of in, in another tier falling back behind them. Maybe the price is getting too far up there for them. We've heard 500 510. If the Phils are coming in on the back end here and they're going to outbid the White Sox and the Reds, that's probably going to go 115, 120, maybe even 125, where you know, you'll know you hear David talk about potentially that being an overpay for Wheeler um, based on his resume up to this point. So we get into a lot of what if it doesn't happen rather than speculation on whether it will happen or not. We talk about the Cole Hamels news. Um, his potential fit and interest with the White Sox. We talked a little bit about the right field situation, the Jack Peterson trade theory, uh, free agent fits, and some other depth pieces that might go behind them and kind of take stock on where we would be if uh, the Wheeler news doesn't go our way and a little bit if it does go our way. So let's get into it right now. Let's welcome David Wildman into the podcast once again. Remember, go follow Dave on Twitter at David underscore Wildman88. Dave, thanks for joining us on your morning commute today. I know it's a little short notice, but it seems like things are really starting to take off as far as the pursuit of Zach Wheeler's going for the White Sox and other teams. And I know you've got some thoughts on this that you want to get out of your system, so let's go roll right into that. Yeah, there, there's no one I'd rather sit in traffic with than you, Pat. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um,
0: Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of smoke around the Wheeler thing. It looks like it's Pretty much down to us, the Twins and the Reds. So here's where I'm at on Wheeler, and I'm guessing we're in we're in pretty different places, but we promised we'd we'll save it for the pot. So um, let me ask you, what number would you consider? Would you be would you kind of cringe at if Wheeler gets to there? What what sort of your line in
1: the sand? Um, you know I don't. I don't know if I'd cringe at any number. I think I'd cringe more at them missing because of having an arbitrary number that they, they didn't want to go to. But uh, I think $25 million AAV would probably be around the area where people would start to say, uh, maybe we overpaid a little bit for potential rather than actual product.
0: Yeah, so that's where I'm at. I said Wheeler, unlike a guy like Cole, unlike a guy like Strasburg, unlike a guy unlike a guy like Machado or Harper, you're probably wise to draw a line in the sand. Um, You know, coming into the winter, I wasn't even sold on Wheeler being a six-figure guy. That sort of snuck up on me, to be completely honest. You just sort of look at the numbers, you look at the track record, and, you know, to me six figures is, is a lot for a guy that's, you know, never really put put together an eighth like season. So, you know, I, I think that a lot of the, the the wheeler hype is paying for potential. And obviously I'd be I'd be thrilled to pick him up on the Sox. I'd be comfortable at A number around a number like 110, but I think you start creeping up into that 120, 125, which is where this feels like it's going. And that's where I start thinking, okay, well, what if we get this guy and it doesn't work out? Then all of a sudden, we've just blown our one big, big free agent signing of the rebuild because I think we're only going to get one shot at this, Pat. And I, you know, that's where I get a little bit nervous is, is when it starts getting into sort of handcuffing numbers, like 25 a year, is Wheeler the one guy that we
1: want to spend that on? Well, you and I usually see eye to eye on a lot of things White Sox related, and I completely understand where you're coming from here, and, and I'm, so this is not to discredit it at all, but I'm more in the camp of, even if we get one shot, this is the guy in front of us right now, okay? <clears> okay. <throat> There's no what do we if, if we don't sign Wheeler, where do we go from there? Where do we add pitching immediately? Because we have so many unknowns, talented unknowns in the rotation. We're not going to get Cole, and we're not going to get Strasburg. So if you don't get Wheeler, what do you do? Do you wait until 2021, 2022, free agency, for maybe another pitcher to become a free agent or opt out? Where, where do we get that front end of the rotation talent, if not for hitting on Wheeler right here and now? I, I
0: agree with you, and I think a lot of the thing with Wheeler is is just wanting to see that the team has the willingness to, to sort of play in the deep end, if that makes sense. And you know, I, as much you know, I, I want to see the final number. I don't know where he's going to go. I know that you and I have been pretty bullish on on our prediction that he's going to end up in Chicago, Um, you know, that's obviously cooled down a little bit since Thanksgiving passed. whatever, but, you know, we're in the finals, so what that number ends up being, you know, maybe this is the the, the deep rot, I'm only 23, but maybe this is a lifelong White Sox disappointment speaking, and I'm just sort of trying to build the wall before I get hurt again, but... (laughs) You know, there's there's a world where I'm really okay if the Sox miss on Wheeler. If he comes in at, you know, 110, 115, that's where I'm kind of like, oh, come on, guys, we, we couldn't do that. But, you know, anything higher than that, and, you know, I could end up eating crow on this, but, you know, I, I'd almost rather that money go to, Castellanos another
1: guy and then maybe a trade inside. Yeah. I mean, I just you said you mentioned, you know, lifetime of, of Sox, you know, disappointment. You're you're trying to build a barrier there. I, I almost feel like then you you also said that, you know, we're in, we're in the finals. And, and we've heard uh another term like that, you know, having a seat at the table a lot thrown around, especially in the last year with Manny Machado and Bryce Harper, you know, we had a seat at the table. I'm almost at the point where it's like Having a seat at the table and being in the finals isn't good enough anymore. We have to close on a big name that other teams actually want. And other teams are actually willing to drive up the price for and, and maybe overspend. So So maybe we overspend on Wheeler in terms of what his current resume today tells us. And maybe we pace a bit for potential and maybe that works out and, and maybe maybe it doesn't. Maybe the last couple of years of that deal hurt a little bit, but so would a Garrett Cole deal and so would a Steven Strasburg deal and so would probably any other deal that we could have got. I just feel like I'd be more disappointed if we were there at the table again and missed again because that tells me that the Sox still aren't ready to assert themselves as real contenders
0: And once again, I could be wrong because there's a lot to really like about Wheeler. And, you know, he's potential, like you said, really top end of the rotation guy to go in with, with some of our big-time prospects and Giolito, obviously. But I, I think he's a guy that, as an organization that operates like the White Sox, do. And we know how they operate, and they're not going to change. They're never going to be the Yankees. They're never going to be the Dodgers. They're never going to be the Cubs. You know, I, I think that they do have to, to work with some caution here. And, you know, you, you can't just throw unlimited money at this guy because this is an organization that, for whatever reason, has their their number, has their budget, probably, you know, when it's all said and done, somewhere around 140 or 150, which is still significantly lower than some of the other perennial contenders in baseball, but when you're in an organization that operates like that, and you gotta think, you know, Robert's probably gonna actually not Robert, he he won't, but Madrigal, Cease, Kopec, Giolito, Moncada, these are all guys that I'm sure Han is is coming to and might be trying to work out one of those con specials, one of those sweetheart early extensions. And you know, as as that as, as the the payroll starts to creep up a little bit, like I said, you you get that one shot. And
1: apparently your answer is yes. Wheeler is your one shot guy. You're you're at peace with that. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. And it's so not so much just because it's 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 Wheeler himself, it's just this happens to be where we're at, and, and Wheeler happens to be the guy right now that we're in the in the race for. You know what I mean? It, it could be yeah. pitcher X if if this is what we're if this is where we're at This is the guy the Sox deem is the big piece to make assert themselves as contenders. They better not fucking miss. That's where I'm at. I, I agree with that. I, I think that
0: if the organization has identified Wheeler as their John Lester and I, I don't know who tweeted it yesterday, but you look at most of the numbers from the last two or three years before free agency, Lester and Wheeler are nearly identical. Wheeler is a tick below Lester, and I mean like .3 runs a game or .3, what, what do you call a unit of ex-fip?
1: I'm not sure. Well, he's about .3x FIPS
0: lower than Lester was in the years, sort of runwaying to his free agency. And that sort of got me thinking. And, you know, I, I think the big thing with Wheeler, and you alluded to this and that it's a guy that other teams want, it's a vote of faith that a big name sees what's happening here. And right. That, we're not diluting ourselves into thinking that we're building something real. And it, it, it's a lot like Lester in that regard. And I think Grandal was like that a little bit. The market for Grandal was not as robust as it's turning into for Wheeler. But, you know, I, I think that that's where I'd really get the satisfaction out of a Wheeler signing is just sort of that validation that, yes, something's happening here. People want to be a part of it. And like you said, we're willing to go in there and spend what needs
1: to be spent. Yeah. But, you know, I'm, I'm still going to have that skepticism
0: of, you know, is this our one big ticket item? You know, it's like Christmas, your kids get one big thing. Are, are they sure that this is what they want instead of, you know, like I said, going out and trading for a guy and signing him to an extension? Um, and I don't want this to sound like I don't want Wheeler because I do, but you know, this is just the
1: uh, the natural White Sox skeptic in me. It's 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 to be expected. I mean, it's smart thinking on your part. It's and you, you know, I'm not even even though I I feel a little differently. That's not to say that you're wrong and I'm right. Or vice versa. I like the big ticket analogy, the Christmas item. I guess if that's the case, I'm still in the same line of thought because I always loved a PlayStation over a bunch of clothes and toys. So, you know, I guess I'm still in the same camp there if we, if we go by that thought process. But it's interesting to play a little devil's advocate because for the last few weeks, it's been all head over heels. The White Sox are the front members on Wheeler. This would be, you know, the next, um, you know, common sense big move for the Sox after the Grand Ole signing. But it's nice to take a step back here, especially as it starts to intensify uh, and think about maybe is it that big of a deal if we don't get him and maybe where do the Sox go after that if they don't get him. And we'll we'll get to that in a little bit here. But before that, let's talk about, let, what do we know now? Right now we know that last night, as, as recently as last week, probably leading into the Thanksgiving holiday, the White Sox were considered the front runner for Wheeler. Um, as recently as last night, uh, multiple reports came out, including uh, Bob Nightingale, who said that the Sox were willing to pay huge, quote, just huge for Wheeler. Um, and they were also looking at Jack Peterson. We'll touch on that, too. We know that there's a five-year, $100 million offer on the table. Um, we don't know who gave him that offer. Um, as recently as last night, that was the Sox and the Reds. This morning, uh, Buster Olney from ESPN Included the Phillies emerging as a heavy suitor, and, yeah, and, you don't like that. and maybe even <laughs> the favorite. And no, I don't like that at all because the Phillies are another real destination that have money to spend. and And it seems like they were, you know, they were a little pissed off that they spent so much money last year and they didn't make the playoffs. Um, so as recently as this morning, you got the Phillies, the Sox, and the Reds in it heavy, right? So the Twins and the Rangers kind of subsided a little bit, and you got the Phillies, the Sox, and the Reds in it. Ken Rosenthal then went one step further this morning and said that this is coming to an end in the coming days and potentially even today. And that's why I wanted to get a hold of you this morning, and I'm glad you had time on your morning commute. Maybe we could break this all down a little bit and get our kind of our final thoughts in before this all comes to a head. Um, if Zach Wheeler does go to the Phillies or the Reds or any other destination and the Sox lose out on Wheeler What's the plan from there? What is there a viable plan to contention in 2020 without Wheeler because with Wheeler it seemed that the path to contention in 2020 was very bright and very possible. Let's let's I
0: mean let's let's take stock. Where are the stocks at right now? In terms of fielders, you've
1: got Robert who will be up what like 3 weeks into the season. Right. Madrigal I, maybe a week or two behind
0: him, you know. So right there, I mean, we still need a right fielder. We've talked about it all offseason. We need a right fielder. We'll get one. Who it will be, we don't know. But, you know, we will have an everyday right fielder. And then, I mean, one through nine, you're talking about, I mean, a fairly stacked lineup, right?
1: Right. Um, you know, so then pitching
0: – you got Giolito, who, you know, we don't know what he's going to be next year, but we can hope. Um, you know, and, and I like Giolito's long-term prognosis because last year he made a drastic mechanical change and was good all year. And that, you know, that to me says that's not a fluke. So I'm, I'm still pretty high on Giolito. Um, Cease, I really like what we saw out of Cease. The end of last year um, you know his big issue is controlling that fastball um, but that's certainly something that you can fix so you know 1-2 right there Kopek coming back Tommy John is you know pretty standard these days I'm not worried too much about Kopek coming back and you know not being that good but even as a 3 you know Max, he's going to be our number three starter. Then you start getting a little fishy. Um,
1: Lopez, what do you think, Pat? Lopez, starter or no? I love Reynaldo Lopez's stuff, but I just, I don't know. He's got to prove it. I can't comfortably take stock of what we have right now and consider Reynaldo Lopez to be um, you know a long-term fix in the starting rotation from what we've seen to date as much as but I'd like that's to. Fair. And I, think, no, I, think, I think I'm there
0: with you. Unless he's able to change something that just gives him a more consistent command over that strike zone. I think Lopez is the most frustrating potential piece of the, the rotation right now just because he has the stuff to be that top-end guy. He's got the overpowering fastball. He's got a pretty filthy hook.
1: But it's like, you know, put it together. Please, just put it together. Yeah, and Um, I feel like we've been saying that for years, though, because I know know dating back to the trade in itself, I was, you know, gaga over Reynaldo Lopez after watching all the video on him, the limited video that he had in Washington at that point. But I I feel like I've been there for a couple years now. You know, just put it together. We know you've got it, but come on, let's go. 100%. And, you know, so for
0: the sake of this discussion, we're not penciling him in as the number four starter next year. So, you know, who I, I can't look at my phone or my computer right now. But where does that
1: sort of leave us? Um, it leaves us void of any any depth in the, in the in the in the rotation, and that's you know that's that's a major concern. I think that's what changes, you know, the the whole tune of the rest of the offseason from okay, you know, twenty twenties or is a realistic thing uh, if we get Wheeler and then, maybe, and then we sign another back end of the rotation depth piece like Hamel, uh, Hamels or um, um, Keuchel or somebody of that nature. You miss on Wheeler, the best possible starting pitcher you end up with becomes Cole Hamels, and that just doesn't do it for me.
0: Interested,
1: we'll end up with him. Um, I don't know if you listened to that podcast that he was on the other day. I did, but it sounds like there's a lot of mutual interest between I mean, the Sox and himself. It definitely does, and not only not only did I I listen to it, I really liked it. I mean, Cole Hamels, uh that was the most I've ever heard him speak uh, candidly at one any given time ever. Obviously, he spent a lot of his career outside of Chicago, so this is. You know, knew he was in Chicago for the last year and some change, but just listen to him, the way he talks about how he wants to continue pitching late into his 30s, how he takes his preparation and his studies and how he's doing, you know, different things in the gym, you know, as, re- as recent as the release of that podcast to try to make sure that he can continue to compete at a high level. Into his late thirties is really intriguing. Really sold me on him, you know, at the right price and, and as that back end guy, not 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 a frontline guy, not our not our number one pitching signing, but I would love to have him in that, that as that second piece, that addition to a Wheeler, because I think he can then become your back end depth in your rotation for a year or two, and I think he can really have a, a good impact on the rest of the guys in that rotation. Yeah, I mean, Hamels has been really good for the Cubs. Yeah, he was um, he was uh, a really nice pickup for Dio, who basically got him for a bag of peanuts.
0: Right. But he stepped in there and he filled the exact role on the Cubs that we need filled. I mean, of all the problems that the Cubs had last year, Hamels was far from one of them. So you know, I would I would be really happy with the Hamels signing, but you know like you said as sort of that back end guy not as a not as a you know big ticket wow look
1: we got this guy maybe ten years ago but, right um, you know, and that I, seems I, I so that's so white socks ain't it it's
0: completely white socks and it would be really white socks for him to step in and just blow up but we won't put that <laughs> into the universe yeah um, <laughs> Rotation spots that you need to fill with a rotating door of Dylan
1: Covey and Irvin Santana, and you know. Yeah, uh, and that's where I that's where I say, and that's a I was thinking about this morning on the drive in here. I said, you know what? Even if the White Sox didn't get Wheeler, and as much as I want Hamels to be the the addition, you know, the the complementary piece of the of the of a Wheeler deal is, if you don't get Wheeler, I still think you're, the first thing you do is you call Cole Hamill's agent you tell him, "Let's go get a deal done right now," to save yeah. us from uh, another year of a rotating door of four a never going to be major league pitchers again. Yeah, and
0: that that is as much as it's sort of fun to joke about. That would be completely unacceptable. They've oh my made it God. Clear that that next year is a year that they plan on on opening this window of, you know, at least competing for the division. So, if we went out there next year with a revolving door of some of these
1: bums that we've trotted out the last <laughs> few years, that would be really, really unacceptable. Yeah, so, that would be a huge uh, hit. You know, I think separate from Wheeler, Hamilton. like John Gray. Um, What's Colorado going to want for him? What? I mean, what do you think the price is going to be from Colorado, though? From what I read, with John Gray's name being tossed out as a trade candidate, not to the White Sox, but just around the league, is that Colorado wants a a hefty uh, ransom for him.
0: knows but the teams that have called what Colorado's looking for. If it's a package that starts with madrigal, no thanks. You yeah. know, I wouldn't even go up to Vaughn. You know, Gray is basically a project after his past couple of years. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not it's not a guy like Wheeler that's gonna step in and, you know, assuming health definitely make the rotation better. But um, you know if if you're not willing to wade and play with the big boys, then you're going to need to trade some prospect capital. And, you know, we're going to have to do that anyway. It's just a matter of when. Right. Um, you know, not go crazy with it like Kenny did and Kenny was sort of famous for. But, you know, it's just something you're going to have to do eventually. I, I would have to look at the numbers and get a better idea of exactly what Gray's done the past couple of years. But... I know that he's a guy with not a ton of mileage on his arm yet, and I know that he's a guy with good stuff. And, um, you know, I'll always take guys like that. But, no, you're not going to pay an ace's ransom for
1: John Gray. That'd be bad business. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Another trade discussion that was mentioned, and I'm circling back here um, to the Nightingale report, and that was – Jack Peterson being mentioned again as a White Sox target. We know we went through this last yeah, offseason, and now we're back here again. Um, Peterson is essentially a one-year rental if you trade for him. Uh, he's due to make $8 million in 2020, and then he's an the unrestricted free agent. What, what does a package for Peterson look like, uh, and, and do you think that the White Sox trade for him with the intention of extending him or you know is it just a one-year rental thing for them i think the the extension discussion dictates the price i agree Um, i know
0: i know last year the the rumored package and i you know i think shout out to jason canander who somehow really does get this information he's a guy that i really trust um and you know he had mentioned fulmer and bummer well Whatever any team might have liked about the potential that was maybe left in
1: Carson. Whoop. Um, Hey Dave, we lost you for a second there. You want to double back a little bit to the uh, potential of Carson Fulmer what he might have had left? Yeah, I would say he doesn't have anything left. Well yeah, I mean I assumed such but (laughs) I didn't want to put words in your mouth. Yeah.
0: Miss the opportunity to build a package around him and, and Bummer. Um, does it circle back around to Bummer? Do they want Bummer? Maybe. And you know what? What would you think about slipping Bummer
1: in a deal for Peterson? Man, I tell you what, I really like, uh, I really like Aaron Bummer in the in the bullpen. Uh, he's a good left-handed specialist, and he's under control. You know, we've got we've got a lot of years of control left with Bummer, and I think you know, given Bummer as and he would just be the he would just be the starter in that deal, right? Because, you know, like we said, Fulmer is, is yeah. a piece of that deal. That's dead. Fulmer's pretty much done. The league knows what Fulmer's about. Um if you give up Bummer in that deal, and it's Bummer Plus and or maybe Bummer Plus Plus, there has to be the intention on both sides of reaching a contract extension you can't flip bummer yeah. for a one-year rental not a one not a not a Jack Peterson one-year rental at this point in the rebuild yeah the White Sox want to take the turn in 2020 and assert themselves as real contenders in the American League Central and and Peterson provides them what they need in right field but you can't do it at the at the price of bummer unless it's going to be a long-term fit Yeah, and especially when you have guys
0: like Castellanos and Ozuna on the market who are fairly comparable players to Jock Peterson. Um, So, no, you're you're absolutely right. I think Peterson would be the safest of that group, but if it's not coming with an extension, it's completely pointless. Um, When you have the option to go and get these guys for just money, Once again, that would be really bad business if we traded major league pieces for a one-year rental just to sort of, you know, get that first year of contention here faster. Mm -hmm. Um, When there are avenues to open the window this year and make sure that it's going to be open long-term. I I think Han's smarter than that. They've taken a very methodical long-term approach to every single thing that they've done since this has started. So I don't think that this is the off season where we revert back to trading high level pieces for you know a year of control
1: on a you know B level. He's a star, a B level star. Yeah, I mean this is this isn't to take anything away from Jack Peterson because I think Jack Peterson's a fine player and I think he'd fit in just fine there long term. But it has to be long term. <clears throat> can't be for a exactly. one year rental. I mean then you go back to you know the crazy idea of let's let's put together a package for Mookie Betts for one year. What I don't I don't want to see a package for nobody for one year. We're not we're not there yet. Yeah. You know, we we talked about before that if if it's your last piece to winning a World Series, that's when we become okay with leveraging the farm for a, a one year rental player. Yeah. We I mean, the Cubs don't regret trading labor Torres for Roland's Chapman. No. But they do it a hundred times over, but it. that ain't where we're at. I think we're both in the, in the same park on that one. 100%, yeah. I don't, I don't know how much longer you got left on your commute. I can only imagine it's only a few more minutes. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> Good old Chicago traffic, right? Let's. Uh, so I was thinking about something yesterday, right? Beyond Wheeler, beyond Hamels and, and the pitching and the right field things, those are the big two spots the White Sox need to address immediately. But another thing they're going to have to address is they're going to have to add some depth around these pieces. And you lose Yomer Sanchez because of the price tag. And you immediately pencil Leury Garcia in at second base until Magical comes up, and then Leori kind of becomes a guy that can play all over the place. But another name that really intrigued me at the non tender deadline is Travis Shaw, the Brewers non-tendered Shaw. And Shaw didn't have a great 2019 by any stretch of the imagination, but prior to 2019 he had put up good, good left-handed power numbers in Milwaukee and in Boston. What do you think about Travis Shaw on a one- or two-year deal to come in and maybe play a little second base until – Magical comes up and then maybe play a little bit all around the infield and in the DH spot after that.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it seems like the, the free agent market has at least somewhat normalized after what we saw in the past two years. Um, you know, uh, it would have been great to hop on Loustakis for, you know, like the Brewers did for like a year and $6 million Yeah. of that. Apparently is not a thing anymore. You know, good for Mustakis. Baseball is better when these guys are signing, um, but it still would have been
1: nice. But you know, he got what, like four sixty-two? Yeah, four for sixty-two or four for sixty-four, something in that price, something in that area. I know it's four for sure, and I think it was in the sixties.
0: So yeah, with the with the market being back where it's at, with guys like him getting those kinds of deals, Travis Shaw is, I think, where we should be looking as. A guy that fills in and plays until Madrigal gets here. I, I think I would still be interested in bringing back Yomar Sanchez. I know Ricky, when he talked about it, left that door very wide open for maybe him coming back. I, I have no issues non-tendering him. I think the number that he was going to get through arbitration would have been a way overpay for him. Yeah. But I, I would love to bring him back on a sort of value deal because... You know, he has a ton of value as a guy on the bench and as a locker room guy. So really, I think that would be the first thing I would like to do in terms of addressing sort of that lack of depth on the bench. Um, Travis Shaw would be a nice piece. Uh, You know, he, like you said, is a guy that is a little iffy on the numbers, but you know, this isn't signing
1: Jeff Kepinger to be our 140-game second baseman. Right, yeah. To signing uh, to, to sort of float around the infield for us. And,
0: you know, I know he plays a little bit of third. I think he plays a little bit of first. Yep. So there's there's a lot of value in, in adding a guy like Travis Shaw, and, you know, maybe banking on him having a good year. But I think that the first thing I, I would like to see in terms of adding some depth would be, bring it back,
1: Yomer, at a more reasonable price. I can see that, and I know the fan. I mean, it, it, it accomplishes essentially the same thing as Shaw would, and the fans would probably love that. I mean, you know, we all love Yomer. Yomer's fun. He's a good part of, good piece in that clubhouse to have at the right price. And I think if the if the opportunity arises to bring him back at the right price, you bring him back, um, and uh, it, you go that route. But I... I just feel like Yomer's going to end up going somewhere else. I think he's going to get paid for that gold glove he had last year, and I think some team's going to see the value in, in being able to cycle him all over the infield, if not make him an everyday starter at a position. He's a switch hitter. I mean, the offensive numbers have never been fantastic, but, you know, you talk about a two-year, $15, $16 million deal, something like that. I think Yolmer jumps at that to have an everyday job somewhere. I mean, you're, you're
0: talking about a guy that, yes, he won the gold glove,
1: but, I mean, when Yomer's right, he could hit 260 for you. Yeah, yeah, no, you know, absolutely. That's, he, he's an interesting, you know, he's never going to have
0: great power numbers. But, you know, given a full year, someone comes to him and says, hey, you'll be our everyday second baseman. It wouldn't shock me to see him, you know, provide obviously great defense. But, you know, put up hitting 260 with 10 homers, 50 ribbies. 60, you know, and that's fine, <laughs> you know, for, for what he would end up getting paid, right. that would do someone a lot of good in
1: an mm-hmm. everyday role, um,
0: but yeah, I'd love to see Omer back, and then, you know, maybe seeing how that plays out, definitely reaching out to Travis Shaw, I think would be great, I was a little disappointed that
1: maybe we didn't take a more serious look at Jonathan VR. Yeah, so, uh, he, that, so, was quick. Um, that was quick. That was quick. That It's not surprising. He's a valuable player. Um, you know, obviously he didn't fit in with what's going on over Baltimore. Which is absolutely um, nothing. So he absolutely. It <laughs> won't be for a while. Um, Adley Rutschman's nice, though. So I really like that kid. But, yeah. Uh, they're, uh, they're <laughs> about yeah, that's a good way to put it. Um, but
0: uh, I would have liked to take a look at him. But, you know, I, I think address, address right field. Figure out what's going to happen with Wheeler, which, you know, I hope
1: you're F5 in Twitter right now all day. Uh, I certainly <laughs> am. My F5 button is going to be worn out. There's going to the the uh, It's not going to be visible on there. It's just going to be in a blank key right at the end of the day. Yeah,
0: In around the core, when we figure out what's
1: happening with these two really big pieces, and then maybe him too. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. Before before I let you go and you get into the rest of your day, I'm gonna do it to you. I know you're gonna be mad, but I'm gonna do it to you. <laughs> Because it's coming to a head, whether it's today or in the next few days. This is probably the last time we sit here and opine the potential of Zach Wheeler in a White Sox uniform. It's going to either be he is or he isn't. We're going to move on from there. So right now, gun to your head, where does Zach Wheeler sign? And give me years and dollars. 5-125 in Philadelphia. Oh, man. (laughs) Dave. right now man I tell you what I can't I can't uh say I disagree <laughs> I can't say I disagree with you but I can't say I don't like it I'll be fair I'll do the same thing um I'm gonna go with the Sox I'm not buying the Philly thing they were a late merger, but they spent so much money last year and I don't think they're gonna be the team that drives the market all the way up and overpays for Wheeler I think they've got too much they've got some other holes to fill um and I just think the White Sox have been on it for so long here with Wheeler. I, I just have a gut feeling, and I hope I'm right. But if I'm not, I guess I won't be that surprised as a longtime White Sox fan. I'm going Wheeler to the White Sox. Five years, 115. I love it. That's that was going to be my
0: White Sox number. I knew what you were asking me right away, and I was I was playing with it. I think <laughs> if he ends up with the Sox, I think that those dollars are exactly
1: right and i would i'd be thrilled with that i think that'd be perfect uh, well dave let's keep our fingers crossed make sure you're hitting the the refresh button on twitter hard today <laughs> um it might be the day you know wednesday is white Sox news day if you like to remind me so often is. so we're, we're exactly we're about an hour and a half away from socks news hour on News Day. So, get this podcast edited so we can say we told you so. Absolutely. <laughs> this podcast will be up very soon. We're going to keep our fingers crossed and we'll circle back and talk about, we'll assess where the White Sox are after a decisions made in the next few days. Until then, Dave, thanks as always for calling in. Hopefully, we could get you here in person very soon and have a more in depth conversation. Yeah, yes, sir. All right, Dave, thanks a lot. We'll talk to you soon, buddy. All right, folks, once again, that was David Wildman. You can find him on Twitter at David underscore Wildman88. He writes about the White Sox and other Chicago sports teams at the ONTAP Sports Network. Go follow ONTAP Sports Network at ONTAP Sports. Um, Dave and I were actually talking a little bit uh, after we disconnected and uh, on the interview here that he's going with his DePaul communications class uh, to Guaranteed Rate Field today. And I told him if he sees Zach Wheeler somewhere in the tunnel getting fitted for a jersey, he'd better text me first, Uh, jokingly. He said that uh, he doesn't even know what he would do if something like that arose because if he was to maybe tweet that out or share that information and then ended up busting a potential negotiation, he'd be exiled from White Sox Twitter forever. Which is probably about accurate, but I want to thank Dave again for coming in. And even though he thinks Wheeler's going to end up with the Phillies at this point, um, we still love him. That's about it for this episode. I just wanted to really get in and kind of unpack the the happenings over the last 24 to 48 hours on the Wheeler market and and the, and the free agent market in general, because it's kind of seems like for the first time since you know last deep winter in January, February it's really starting to heat up again not just for the White Sox uh, but for teams all over the league Uh, we've seen a couple signings and we've got a lot of things intensifying Um, actually this morning right here as I'm wrapping up uh, this podcast Evan Grant of the Dallas Morning News has reported that the Rangers are out of the running for free agent starter Zach Wheeler so that takes another team out of the Wheeler market and really kind of solidifies what the national guys have said in the last 24 hours, that it's, you know, coming down to the Phillies, the White Sox, and the Reds. Um, I, I happen to think that the Reds are also kind of out of this. I mean, I know they signed uh, Moustakis for the four-year, $60-plus plus deal uh, in the last 48 hours. So I, I think um, if, the, if the price continues to rise, I think they would just naturally be, you know, taken out of the bidding there, having spent that money on uh I also think that the Reds have pretty good pitching and that the Reds should be geared towards more filling holes offensively because their offense was so atrocious last year. So if if it was to me, as you heard Dave and I say, it's between the Phillies and it's between the White Sox. And i got to go with my gut here, and i got to go with the White Sox finally stepping up and establishing themselves as real players on the market and real contenders for 2020. But we shall see. Until next time, that was another episode of the Second City Show. I'll talk to you guys later.
0: If you don't know I'm by now, I'm talking again. about Chi-Town. in the air, left field. He's your hero tonight. with Alan Robinson taking it out of the air. You Lord Stanley's new address is sweet home Chicago. The Chicago Blackhawks have won the Stanley Cup. Maybe we could start again.